This morning, um, we are really, really close, and I'm meditating on those words we just sang, and I hope that you are too, letting them sit. Um, man, that we are confident, and that in Him, we, we can literally place everything. I don't, if you're not in it, I don't, I don't want it. And as we turn the corner, we are really close to the end of Philippians. We'll close our book and our journey through this series next week. And the closing statements of Paul really lend to that today as we get into three more verses just before we close. He's going to talk to us about the sovereignty of God and, and how he's truly in control. And I was studying this week and thinking on the truth that this, this holds, like be anxious for nothing, do not worry. And I was holding to that, and I was thinking about how uh, Jesus instructed that we would be like children as we come to him. Because how many of you, let's just, let's just out ourselves right now. How many of you have a tendency to be a chronic worrier? It's okay. Be honest. All right. It's good. And, and what do you not tell someone who worries chronically? Don't worry, right? thought about my son, Cannon, this week as I was studying and preparing for this, and he doesn't necessarily like when I talk about him in sermons, so you guys be kind to him after. Here's the point. When Cannon was really young, Cannon had uh, this, he had this way about him, and fear was not in the conversation. My son was just fearless. I mean, he, like, for anyone who skates, he, like, dropped into a, a bowl like when he was four for the first time, you know, like tail dropped. Some of you don't know what that means. Um, here, the point is he had no fear to the point where we had to discuss with him. Like we had to share with him. Canon, if you walk into the street, any street, you will die. <laughs> like at any point you walk into the street, you will self-implode and life will end. And so he, like, it became a party trick for Heather and I. We go to a party, hang out. We're like, hey, ask him what happens if he walks through. He's like, what happens if he walks through? I will die. You know, that's, that's it was fundamental. That's, that's right. That's right. Let's get that in there. And then later on, as he's gotten a little older, like all kids, we become a little more trepidatious because we become more aware of things. We become more fundamentally aware of the world around us. And so, Cannon, we'd be driving and... Cannon, when he's like seven, would look at me and say, hey, dad, uh, where, where are we going? I'd be like, hey, it's a surprise. We're going to go somewhere together. But when we get there, are they going to have food? Yes, they, they're probably going to have food. Are we going to eat? Yes, son, we will, we will eat. Where are we going to eat? At a restaurant <laughs> that is there. You know, um, it's going to be fine. But, but what do they have? Anyone had these conversations with your kids? You know what I'm talking about? Okay, yeah. So here, like, and don't you know that this is like God's perspective on the whole matter? Because I, I want to turn to my seven-year-old and go, okay, look, I mean, literally, you didn't even know you were alive just a couple years ago. Like, we've been keeping you alive. Like, we've been saving you. You are going to be fed. You're going to be clothed. You're going to have a roof over your head like we don't you know that this is God's perspective on the matter when he looks at his children and we talk about how anxious we are or how worrisome we become, and he goes, I've literally been keeping you alive. I've literally been saving you from yourself this whole time. 
In fact, Brant and I were texting this week. Brant Taylor texted me, um, commenting on a book that I had recommended to him. And he sent me this quote, and, and it's a great book. Tim Keller, The King's Cross, highly recommend it. But he said this. The quote is, but do you know where constant worry comes from? It's rooted in an arrogance that assumes I know the way my life should go. God's not getting it right. So it's with that quote, I want to ask you to stand as we turn our attention to the scriptures. And we're going to read the next three verses together. Philippians 4 Verse 6 through 9 says, Do not be anxious about anything. Do not worry, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put this into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Father, we love you and we thank you for your word and the gift that it is. We thank you for Jesus and how the scriptures reveal his life and how his life is our example. Today we ask to just lift up his name and His honor and God, we pray that everything that is subject to him be brought to our minds. All things are under his control. And I pray that we would let go of the illusion that we might, in fact, control something. Give us peace so that you might have your way with us. Perform surgery, I pray, in the name of Jesus, in our minds and our hearts, by the power of your spirit. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I want to read this verse again. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. There are four points I'm going to give you today. I'm going to talk about all four points. I'm going to spend a little more time on a couple, but I'm going to give you them right now. Um, The first is relinquish. The next is request. The next is reset. And the fourth is is receive. So do not be anxious about anything. Do not worry. If we're going to not worry, we have to release those drivers. We got to release the drivers that in us drive us to the place of anxiety. So we have to release the fear. We have to release the worry. We have to release the control, the agenda. We have to release entitlement. Every one of these things is indicative of the fact that we have been deceived to believe that we are in fact in control. Not him, nor do we want him to be. They also indicate a fundamental belief that's within us. Maybe, maybe one of two beliefs. Either God is not, in fact, good, as the scriptures say, or God is not competent, as the scriptures say. When we allow anxiety and fear to drive our lives, when we allow worry to drive our lives, We believe that either God is not as good as the scriptures reveal or he is not as competent as you and I are. And how many of you know that you needed a savior? Okay, so if you needed a savior, fundamentally, we must be able 
to place our trust in him. We cannot trust ourselves, okay? So we can't say that we are more competent than he is. But there is this thing that comes out in the, the quote from Keller, the conversation with my kids, with your kids, and that is this. He is going to meet our needs. Matthew 6, says that if he clothes the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, how much more so will he take care of you? But it also says you have to serve today only one master. You can't serve two. You've got to choose who you will serve, him or stuff. And you cannot worry about your life. You can't be anxious. You can't place that before him because I am confident enough to keep and care for you. I've made you. I have a plan for you. I'm going to keep you okay. But so many of us really believe that we know we, know we need a savior and we know and we only look to his saving us in the end and we forget that he's saving us right now from ourselves. That he's been keeping us alive. To ingest the pill of Jesus, you cannot just take a half of the pill. It's the whole thing. In fact, he said they, when they asked him in Matthew 22, what was the greatest commandment? That you love the Lord your God with half your heart, some of your mind, a portion of your strength, or what? One fundamental word, all. You love him with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. Oswald Chambers says this, that worry is unconscious blasphemy. I like that. It's this fundamental belief that either God is not good or God is incompetent. And when I worry, I unconsciously tell him he's not God. We cannot pray and worry simultaneously and still keep our prayers pure. You understand this? The, there's a taintedness that comes by our own agenda when we pray simultaneously to worrying about an issue. When we seek to pray on an issue that we are in fact worried about, um, these prayers that we are praying ultimately serve as an appeal to get God to do what we want. Do you understand? Like my agenda because I'm worried becomes the thing at the forefront and I am trying to move God to the place where he will simply answer as I desire, that I'm trying to manipulate the situation. I'm trying to manipulate that which is ultimately out of my control and ultimately in his. Let me put it as, there are, there are some things that lead to our belief that we're in control, like the illusion of control. If you, if you don't want the TV on or you're watching TV and something comes on that you don't want your kids to see, you have the control. You don't have to worry about it. You just what? Change the channel, turn TV off. You're in control. That's not something you have to worry about. But when something larger in life is in play, where you're going to be, if you're uh, going to live, if so-and-so, a friend of mine, a family member is in Jesus, these are bigger issues completely out of our control, but we have a tendency to worry about them. And he says, don't worry about these things, but release them to me. And when we release them, that means that we have to let go. We have to let go entirely of them. And we have to allow that whatever, whatever he decides, we're okay with. 
For instance, uh, my grandmother, many of you didn't get the chance to really know her. Some of you got to meet her. Um, she just passed away. She was 93. And if there's anything that I could say that um, was indicative of who she was, she was very loving, very kind, all those things. But she was a worrier, chronically worried, and constantly, constantly was trying to control things for herself. In fact, uh, we, one of the things that you wouldn't know about her, she had a lead foot. My whole life, she drove so fast. In fact, when I was a kid, she used to clear the train tracks in town, just like take off all four tires. She was an icon to all the kids in my elementary school. They were like, man, your grandma. They all wanted to ride with her because it was like going to Six Flags. And she was worried. That lead foot caught up to her, okay? One time, one time I'm riding with my grandma and I'm in from uh, visiting. I was out of town and I was, I, yeah, I was married at this time. I wasn't visiting from college. I'm in the car and I'm in the passenger seat and we're driving and my grandma gets nabbed in a speed trap. Those are fun, right? Everyone knows what I'm talking about. She gets hit in a speed trap. They, they're like, woo, we'll pull, they're waving her over, okay? She pulls over. And she's like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm dead. I'm going to get a ticket. There's no doubt. And she's just worried, 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 worried. And I was like, just be honest. Like you, you were speeding. It's okay. Like talk to them. Who knows? Maybe they'll be merciful. It's fine. It's, you did it. Consequence, you know. They pull up, uh, ma'am, uh, do you know what you're doing? Yes, but he's from out of town and he is the reason. And I went, what? Like in my mind, I'm like, how am I under the bus here? And I'm just sitting in the passenger seat. I'm not like, I'm not on the gas here. I don't have my foot on the accelerator. So she has this whole monologue about how it's my fault because I'm visiting from out of town. They cite her, because they're nearly laughing about the situation. They're like, what? I'm looking at them, they're rolling their eyes. I'm like, I, I'm, so I can't look at her now. They cite her, we drive off. She drives back to that same spot 10 minutes later with cookies and brownies. I was like, why'd you do that? She's like, well, I just want to thank them for what they do. No, you're trying to get out of that ticket. And there's no way... You're going to get out of the ticket. It's already been written. It's already been logged. You can't, you can't change that now. It's out of your control. It doesn't make any sense. Like, why would you take effort or worry or concern to try to manipulate that situation? And so often when we try to pray into a matter that we are worried about, that's the way we pray. We try to manipulate God into doing it the way that we want. So ultimately things end up as we desire. Second point is requests. Our requests begin to change dramatically once we relinquish our control and we release our worry. We worry because we want a certain outcome, but we have no power or ability to change or control said outcome. We don't worry about the things we can change, but we do worry about those things that we can't. And this passage is being fundamental in teaching us that we cannot worry. We have to release that worry if we're going to pray and join him in what he desires. And he gives us a way, it's very key to how we can join him in what he is doing. And that is the word thanksgiving. 
Make all your prayers, requests, petitions before God with thanksgiving. How many of you have ever, it's kind of like, it's kind of like that conversation I just had about canon. Like, like we've been keeping you alive. How many of you have ever been a little bit concerned, maybe a little overly concerned about a situation, but then you just have this flash in your mind of how God has provided over the course of your life or even more immediately to where you are. And it kind of just brings everything down. You know what I'm saying? Like that you just breathe that sigh of relief because you recognize, okay, he is sovereign. He is in control. I know I've been concerned about this thing. I know I can't change the outcome. Thank you, God. And we just kind of put it before him. Thanksgiving is key. And here's the thing. In this passage, it's not that we make our requests known without thanksgiving or we continue to worry on that, that thing. We continue to have anxiety towards it because we're aware of how in, out of control we are. We're not in control. So we're praying out, trying to manipulate God. And then we expect peace to come. And it says that peace will come to you. No, there's a formula here. The formula is you release it unto the Lord. And what that means, you might be saying to yourself, Justin, I've released hundreds of things that are sitting right here in my lap. Anyone know what I'm talking about? I've released this hundred times and it's right here in my hands, right here before me again. I would argue that you didn't release it. I would argue that it hasn't been ultimately released. Here's why. Because release means this. God, this thing is in my hands. This thing right here is causing me anxiety and worry and concern. But I cannot change any of it. I'm not in control of it. I can't do anything with it. And I know that you're good. You've been nothing but good to me. You've provided all my life. You've got me to this place and, and you've provided even more immediately. And I know that you're in control and you're the one who has a plan and you can change or not change these circumstances, these things. So here's the deal. I'm giving it to you and whatever you decide, I'm good with it. I'm done thinking about it. I'm giving it to you and whatever you desire, so be it. It's a, it's a desire, it's a trust, kind of like Jesus prayed in the garden. We're looking at it in a moment, but it's not my will but yours be done and I'm not gonna come back to it. Because I would say this, a heart of true gratitude is absent of self-entitlement. A heart of true gratitude is absent of self-entitlement. And so those prayers are not going to be tainted with entitlement or desire that supersedes God's. A prayer of a heart of gratitude, one that trusts that God is ultimately in control is going to put those things before God and be able to walk away. And if you go, well, I have trouble with that. I can't really, I, I, I just, I, I, then you need to evaluate whether your heart is actually gracious and thankful and has gratitude towards the Lord, or if it's still a little bit self-entitled that you deserve things to end up your way. And ultimately that's your desire. But what if it doesn't work out the way that I desire? Is God Good. Is God fundamentally good compared to you? So much so that your righteousness, the Bible says, is filthy rags. So could he be, listen, I know this is a big, mind-blowing, could he be more good than you or me? Could he love you more 
than we in fact love ourselves? Could he have more in store for you than you can manipulate by your own hands? See, this takes a fundamental trust, a fundamental thanksgiving, a, tru- a fundamental release of our agenda, our entitlement, and a desire with gratitude to see him move. And then when we do, the only way we get peace, the kind of peace of God that this passage talks about, is no worry. Relinquish control, relinquish desire, complete release to him. You've got it, whatever you say, I'm good with it, equals peace. And you can rest that it's out of your control and that you've joined God in what he desires. In Matthew 36, 38, we actually see our Savior do this. As he stands there about to face crucifixion, flogging, the sin of the world placed upon him, says that he sweat drops of blood, such angst, he prays this prayer. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed, speaking to the disciples, with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here, keep watch with me, just watch as I go further and pray. And it says, going a little further, he fell on his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Like God, hey, you know what I want in all of this. I mean, I've been pretty clear about that. I've been abundantly clear about what I desire in all of this circumstance and the way this thing's gonna shake out. I, I've been clear about that. How many of you know that God knows your thoughts before it is even spoken? We've seen that in Jesus throughout the scriptures. So how many of you are also pretty certain that he knows your desire in all of this? So it says a ton about who we place our faith in and how we are active about that faith when we go, you know my desire and you know what I want, but your desires are more important. What you want is gonna be far better for me in the entire situation. I trust that you'll always meet my need. You may not always do it the way I like it, You may not always do what I like. We may not always eat at the restaurant that I want to eat at. However, I will be okay in your hands. I'm going to be kept alive. Not my will, but your will. All of a sudden, we're we're just praying because we've released this issue and the circumstance to you that we're not going to wrestle with anymore whatever you want because I'm releasing it to you whatever you decide. Wherever it lead me, I'm good with it. I accept that. Have you accepted that? I don't know what you've brought in this week, but I promise you in a group this size, there are some of us wrestling with things. I was talking to an elder before I walked up here and he said, I said, how's it, how's it going? Pressed but not crushed. Amen, get that, understand that. He said, when you enter the war, you're gonna be shot at. How many know what he's talking about? But you gotta put it before him. This is what lordship looks like. We accept whatever you desire because you are good and you are more than competent. We empty our minds, we empty ourselves of this worry. We're gonna let it go and we're just gonna trust you. But here's the thing, we are not going to just leave it there. We're not just going to empty ourselves. It's not like some 
uh, New Age meditation uh, kind of principle that I'm giving you. That's not it. In fact, the scriptures does not stay there. How many of you know when you try to empty your mind, it's going to be filled with the desires of your flesh immediately, like free of charge, like right away. You don't even have to like work at it. They're just right there before your face. You say, how many of you raised your hand a second ago when I said, I've released things to him a hundred times. That's what I'm talking about. So we have to reset. We got to reset our minds. Levi Lesko says it like this, that we cannot act right if we do not think right. I want to go back and read verse eight again. Here it is. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, Whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think on these things. So we must fill our minds intentionally with the truth. Is God good? Yes, yes, He's good. It doesn't matter if we all answer that or not, doesn't change it. He is good. Fundamentally, it changes it. Whether we feel that way or not doesn't change the fact that he is good. Whether we feel like God is in control or has our best interest at at the heart of who he is, whether we feel that way or not doesn't matter, doesn't make it less true. Romans 8, I'll use all things in the lives of those who are called according to my purposes for their good. Hello? Because I love them. Here's what I'm I'm trying to say. How many of you listen to yourself really well? That's why you don't need to be prompted on filling your mind with the fleshly stuff because you listen to yourself. You're like, hey, I don't think they should have spoken to you that way. Or, you know what? You deserve that promotion. Or, hey, you, you, you. Here's what the scriptures say. Preach to yourself. Preach to yourself the truth. What Paul's reminding to us here is this. Think on the things that are true, that are right, that are good, that he is sovereign and you're not in control. Do not listen to yourself. Preach to yourself. It's better in his hands. He controls and everything. We just read this a couple verses ago. That everything is subject to him. We must meditate on the truth that he is good, he's more than competent. Allow that to continue in us a posture of peace. How many of you look around and you go, the world is just at unrest, there's no peace. What hope does the world have if the church of God, the church of Jesus Christ, walks around just as anxious as they are? just as a shoveled lack of peace, have a God who is good, have a God who's more than competent, has a God who has your best interest and your needs are going to be fulfilled. But yet we're walking around worrying. He says, don't do that. Stop that. Hold to the fact that he's true. Hold to the fact that he's pure. Hold to the fact that he's noble and right. And he and he alone is due all praise and honor and glory. He's praiseworthy. And we have to think on that. We have to go, God, you know what? I was just about to come to you. This is a real conversation I've had with the Lord myself. I was just about to come to you to complain and to worry about something. I was going to frustrate you, I'm certain. But then I was flashed with all the things that I know you do right. I, I, was, I was hit with all the things 
that you are doing and you're keeping me alive. And so I have nothing to say but praise you. Thank you. You're good. You're honest. You're loving. You're intentional. You need, and you're going to meet my need. Theodore Roosevelt said it like this. Complaining about a problem without a solution is called whining. Do not allow yourself the space to doubt that once whatever it is you've given to God is released is not under his care and not under his concern and because you gave it to him because he said, be anxious for nothing. In fact, cast all your cares upon me because I love you. I'm gonna take care of it. If we, if we will do simply as he asks and we release it, not allow ourselves the space to doubt it, not allow ourselves to, the space to be lied to that it's not in his care, then, then we will start to live, our lives will start to conduct themselves in a fundamental way about the, our, our fruit of the Spirit will be born from our lives because we have acted as we fundamentally believed. And when we worry, we are acting as we fundamentally believe. So I need us to really sit on that. If you're a chronic worrier like me and you're like, don't tell me not to worry, here's the thing. I didn't tell you to. I gotta preach to myself, God told us not to. He told us not to worry about that, told us to put it in his care, told us that if we're going to walk and offer peace to the world, then we have to think with a mind of peace and we have to think on the goodness of God and we have to think right about who he is his perspective on things, how he sees us, what he's desiring to do in the world, and how he allows us to join him in that. And that's just good. Amen? How many of you are just grateful that God allows you to join him so you have to think on that perspective so you can do as that perspective says? And then the fourth R today is that receive. That word receive, we're to receive. Here's what we're receiving, just a few things. If you want to jot them down, it's simple. We have to receive the truth of Jesus and that he's ultimately in control. See, that peace will come when we just accept that truth. And no matter how we feel, it doesn't change it. It's true. The instruction that Paul is giving here, we have to receive that instruction and we have to put it into practice. Do what I have told you to do, he says in verse 9, and receive the peace of God that will come with it. Just do what I've asked. Do you, release those things to him. Release the worry. Release those drivers, the anxiety, the self-entitlement. Pray and make your request known before him with gratitude and a mind that is accurate, that he is good and he is competent. And when you walk in that and you join him in prayer in that way, peace will come. So make this a regular part of your rhythm. Make this a part of who you are in your prayer life. Make sure you're constantly releasing your fears and anxieties, constantly uh, removing space for doubt and filling your mind with the things that are pure, that are right, that are true. And the peace will come from said release. I have a question for you. And I have a, a verse I'd like to comment on. Here's the question. The peace of God comes only by our release of entitlement and a release of agenda. What this morning do you need to release to him? Isaiah 30, 15 says it like this, that in repentance 
and rest is our salvation. What that means is this, that we are continually recognizing our potential to be entitled, to have an agenda, to be fear-driven, and we are constantly repenting of that. And in the rest that comes, when we lay at his feet, we cast our anxieties upon him because he loves us. And we trust that he is good, he is competent, and he has it under control. We don't worry about it. We find rest from the worry, rest from that heaviness and anxiety. We give it to him, and we become more aware of how sovereign and how everything is subject to him than we are how, how bad things could go and how things may not go the way that I desired. How many of you have ever had it play out? Something didn't go as you desired. It went exactly as God wanted to in the end, and it was better for you. Hands raised. Amen. So, I'm gonna pray for us, okay? I feel like we need to sit right there, stop right there. That's exactly where we need to be. How many of you, before I pray, are worrying about something in your life right now? There's something there, and you've been worrying about it. Doesn't it's not God's not going to strike you with a lightning bolt here in this room by admitting that. I've been I've been wrestling with something right now. Amen. Okay, let's pray. Father, this morning, as we confess our wrestling, or maybe we just internally wrestle. I pray, God, that we would not miss you in all of this. I pray that we would not miss the fact that we can trust you and that you're good and you're competent. So I pray that right now we would practice in this room in a place that is safe to practice how we respond to you. And I pray that we begin to release those anxieties, release those worries, release the fears, release the things that keep us crippled and keep your truth at bay for us. God, we don't want to be blasphemous. We wanna approach you with a heart of gratitude. We want the fear to be absent of our mind and we want to trust that you are good. So right now, move in our heart, stir in our minds. Bring those things to mind that need to be put before you right now and I pray that you'd find us a people willing to put them before you and make them subject to Jesus who is in control. And we're gonna respond to him right now in Jesus' name, amen. Just before I go, here's what we just heard. And I want to lead you right now to respond in maybe one of three ways. Maybe there is something that God has brought to your mind that you fundamentally need to release to him. And we come to this time of a service every week. And maybe inside you go, I need to give this up. I need to put this for the Lord. And you go, and God goes, hey, go to the altar and do that. And you go, I don't know if I want to go. I'll just do it right here. Listen. Does he need to ask our opinion? Do we need to negotiate with him about how it happens? Or do we just need to be, because he's Lord, obedient? So here it is. Whatever it is that God has brought to mind that you've been wrestling with and worrying over, even maybe praying into with an agenda. This morning, if God's called you to release that one thing, I don't know what that one thing is. Maybe there's multiple things, but at least that one thing, will you do it exactly as he calls you to? I don't know if he'll put you at the altar this morning. He might, but would you do it? Would you make an altar at your seat? Get on your knees, be like, that's weird. Doesn't matter. Is he good? Is he competent? Is he call for you to respond as his subject? Yes, and he does it all out of love. 
So this morning, whatever it is, give it to him. This morning, second thing, maybe, maybe you need to thank God for something this morning. Maybe this morning you've been living your life a little thankless, a little self-entitled, little lacking gratitude. He said, your prayers have to have gratitude in order for this to work and for you to have that peace. Here it is. Maybe this morning you need to respond by thanking him at the cross, maybe even at his table. As you remember what he did that you might have life and be in this room. And thirdly, here it is. Maybe today you've been doubting a lot. Maybe in this room you're suffering and your anxiety is all about your fears and insecurities. You don't actually believe that you're the gift to the world that God has made you to be and he reflects his image in you. Maybe you're fundamentally struggling to believe that. Maybe you're listening to the liar and you're believing all the lies that come at you like you're not good enough or you're, you're, not, you're not going to be there. People have forgotten you already. Maybe that's hitting you right now. And the truth is you have to put that before him because that is a lie. And you need to fundamentally and actively call it a lie and take his perspective as you look at yourself and you look at your play in the world. More than just allow yourself to continue to be crippled by a liar who seeks to steal, kill, and destroy from you. I gotta be honest, I doubt myself enough, folks. I don't need to help the liar in crippling me. Anyone else like me? So let's take God's perspective this morning. I'm going to ask you to stand as we respond.